Welcome to If the Walls Could Talk, a series of conversations about smart buildings connecting key thinkers in the property world with each other and you. I'm Ari Berendrecht, founder and CEO at WiredScore, the certification company dedicated to making the world's buildings smarter and better connected. In this series, we hear from a wide range of experts and our discussions focus on four main areas. How to approach creating a smart building, the importance of user-first design, the technical foundations of smart, and reducing the environmental impact of smart buildings. It is sustainability that we're talking about in this episode, and I'm delighted to have our guest today, Doug Stewart, Head of Digital Advisory from Cushman and Wakefield. Doug, thank you so much for joining. It's great to see you. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Ari. Thanks. Appreciate it. Great to be here. I'd love to start off if you could just share a little bit about your background, how you got into the smart building space. Yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, I've been I've been in the real estate technology side of the side of things for probably 15 or so years now. I started out strictly on the IT side, networks and, you know, all, all the good stuff that comes along with with the IT world and then and then moved into buildings based on the fact that I was building airports for uh, Continental Airlines years and years ago. So I got really into how buildings work and you know this, the the technology within those buildings, but more from an operational perspective. So what is now you know, fondly termed OT, um, and you know moved through a couple different roles with Bank of America in our corporate workplace technology groups into some consulting roles, and now with with Cushman and Wakefield. So you know my real role now is to really help Cushman figure out how to you know, integrate technology into our day-to-day services. I'd love to start at the kind of trends driving the, the smart revolution. And what do you see as the big factors that are causing smarts to be at the top of everyone's list in the real estate ecosystem at the moment? Well, I mean, I think COVID and return to work, how do, how do people get comfortable coming back into the office is obviously one that's risen to the top fairly quickly. I think we're seeing a reemergence of, of energy and sustainability as a, as a main driver. I think for, for a while during COVID, that was kind of put aside. But I think with the, some of the legislation recently and, and accords and different different companies signing up for different things, I think we're going to see that come come back up in, in importance. And then I think, you know, there's going to be a huge focus on cybersecurity going forward in the operational space. So uh, how do you take some legacy systems that have been around forever and, and not just refresh those, but do it in, in a way that's secure? Great. And I'd love to do a little bit of uh, terminology definition at the start of our conversation as well for the, for the audience. Um, you mentioned uh, in your background, you started out in IT and now focus more on OT. Um, could you explain what IT and OT is and, and what that means in the kind of real estate context? IT, I think, is, is how we traditionally think about technology in the workplace. It's, it's email, it's you know, databases, it's, it's the things that we use productivity-wise to perform business. I think from an OT perspective, it's, this, it's the technology that powers the space that we sit in. I think what we're going to see is, is more the IT world becomes aware and educated of what OT does. Um, and OT is a technology set becomes more sophisticated and more um, integrated. I think there it's, it's going to converge. It's going to be everything will be um, the building comes together as the, as the hub, if you will, from both an IT and OT space and um, real estate and technology become you know very integrated. How do you think about the timeline for that? Is that happening as we speak or is that a that integration, a you know, five, ten year horizon line? No, I think it's I think it's happening. I think it depends on the industry. I think the segment, if you will, I think it depends on individual clients. We see we see certain big occupier clients that are well ahead of the curve in that. They understand it's coming. They're they're making either organizational changes or or they're making um, 
strategic changes to meet that, we see some they're lagging behind. I think with any transformation, it's it's never fast enough. And the other definition I'd love to come back to is is the term smart buildings, which uh, is obviously a very common word. And at Wired Score, when we created Smart Score, we spent a lot of time thinking about what that definition should be, and we oriented around. Uh, four things, delivering an exceptional user experience, driving cost efficiency, meeting high standards of sustainability, and um, being being future-proof, being future-ready. Um, how does that definition kind of resonate with you, and how, how do you think about uh, what SMART means? Well, I think, I think for, for the way that we approach it and the way that we, we talk to clients about it, and, and even internally, is, is three elements. So we you added the fourth, but we got, we got three, which is um, you know, the building itself and how do, we, how do we drive operational efficiencies and automation. I think we have the, the workplace or the user experience, so how do we enhance those? Um, and then uh, the third part becomes you know, that, that sustainability, wellness, healthy building type of point of view. And that's not just the building, that's the environment, that's everything, the community around it. So I think if we look at that and then, and then through all those things, it's like where do you find those strategies or those, those levers you can pull that will impact those three things. Um, and that's really where we try to guide investment um, by our clients or, or you know, evaluation of specific opportunities. I'd love to move to talking a little bit about uh, the kind of practical challenges of uh, making a building smart. And you and I have talked separately about um, the fact that there's kind of this mismatch between how, how much the industry talks about smart and how kind of very few buildings today are, are, are far along in that journey. Why is it so hard to retrofit buildings for smart? I mean, you inherit a lot when you, when you get existing buildings, right? And, and over, the, over the years, nothing's been uh, done in a holistic fashion. It's always been like, oh, we're going to put a lighting system in on here, or the tenant's going to upfit a, a floor there, with no real plan for the building, right? It's kind of been an ad hoc way that the building's organically grown from a technology perspective over time. And where the difficulty, I think, comes in is, one, the, the operator or the owner sometimes just doesn't know what's there. I think that's where, you know, things that you're developing on Smart and Wired Score helps them at least baseline, you know, what is in the building, what does it do, what can it do, um, where is it good versus where it's, where it's not so good. I think that's a perfect transition to talk a little bit more about sustainability, which is, which is obviously one of the, the big drivers for making a building smart and one of the outcomes that lots of people are trying to drive improvements around. Uh, how are the best landlords or occupiers using data to deliver better sustainability outcomes? I think like anything, right? I mean, you got to be able to measure something before you can manage it, right? I mean, it, you got to be able to look at something that's tangible, something that, that is, isn't assumed and say, how, how is like a certain piece of equipment performing or, or, or how am I using the building and, and is it effective or efficient or optimized that way? I think from a technology perspective, from a data perspective, having those insights um, proactively, um, I mean, I'll stop short of the whole predictive conversation, but proactively saying, we understand this is how the building's running today or, you know, how we think it's going to run or how it ran last week and not waiting, you know, a week or two weeks or a month to say, I'm going to get data in arrears and then figure out what happened. You know, I think if we can look at data in real time, we can make decisions based on that data. We can manage the buildings and manage the performance of the buildings down to the piece of equipment, then we're going to see exponential improvement across across the board. 
And are there certain um, categorical technologies or specific products that you're seeing in the market or trends you're seeing in, in actual tech solutions that are um, driving better use of data and optimization based on that data? Yeah, I think, you know, when we look at what we'll term as like an operational data platform, an OT data platform, which is really a consolidation layer of, you know, existing building systems. So I can pull meters into it. I can pull my BMS data into it. I can run analytics, fault detection and diagnostic on top of that. I think that provides the insight. I think the biggest thing here, especially for larger clients, is, is how do we consolidate all that data into something that is consumable, right? So I don't have to click through 50 different interfaces and log into 25 different systems, but I can really bring that, you know, what has been termed over the years, a single pane of glass um, into the, you know, in, in front of my operators to say, you know, here's how this building is running. Here's where you have issues. How do you prioritize those issues? Because as we start looking at doing more on the experiential side, something has to pay for that. The logical place to go look for money is on the operational side. So how can I save money in my energy spend or how do I save money in my capital plan so I can fund some of these other initiatives that are going to drive return to work and some of the other other important priorities out there. What we're going to see, much like we talked about convergence of OT and IT, I think well-run buildings from an operational perspective will feed into higher level experiences. And I think that shift now isn't just about really cool lobby environments or, or artwork. And I think there's there's an importance to that, but it's now, do I feel comfortable in my building? Can I get to where I need to go? Um, you know, what's it like once I get there? Uh, you know, I have a colleague, uh, Rachel Casanova in New York, that said a great one time, if we're in a return to work scenario, if it takes me 40 steps to get a cup of coffee in the new world, I'm just probably not going to come back. <laughs> so, you know, how do, I, how do I account for everything that's going on and make and streamline this so people, people want to be in the space? I think that's really fascinating because it means more more people around the table defining what the building's outcomes should be, what the mission for that building should be. It's not just the operations team in the building. It's the folks that care about tenant experience and attracting and retaining tenants and increasing rents. Um, it's, a, it's a whole new group focused on, on building evolution. The conversation, I think, is, is pivoting to the landlords start to think, what would make my building more attractive? What what can I provide from a functionality, a capability perspective um, that attracts tenants but also helps me run my building better? What advice do you give for uh, landlords like starting their smart journey? Like, how do you begin to think about uh, approach here in planning? Understand what you have, right? I mean, I I think a lot of people balk at it going down this path because one, they just don't know enough about it. Um, two. They think it's all rip and replace, right? I think I think that's what you have to get over. It's not it's not saying that you have to start from scratch in a building that you've been you know operating you know for twenty years. It's figure out what you have in there and and pay attention to those those core systems that provide the operational efficiency and and really evaluate what you want to do from a use case or capability perspective, outcome perspective when you make investments in other technologies. And I think the biggest thing here is, is keep it simple. It's a journey. Nobody's going to do it in a day or two, right? And nobody's going to do it in one iteration. But when it comes down to redoing the lobby and, you know, maybe marble or all the other expenditures or putting in systems that provide better air quality or ventilation or, you know, drive data-driven outcomes, you know, really weigh the, the, the value proposition of those two things because I think that the tenant approach is changing where it's less about the dressings and more about the, the uh, you know, the, the functionality and the, the operation of the building. How do you see the key motivators for landlords to invest in making their buildings more sustainable? There's obviously everything ranging from uh, operational efficiency to uh, regulations on the horizon that, that landlords need to comply with. 
Um, but you've also mentioned kind of tenant demand and expectation. Which is the largest driver today? And, and do you see that evolving over time? Not that I have data behind this, right? But I mean, I, I, I in my in my view, I think that that demand of why, why isn't your building able to do this? I think that's something that, that you're going to see real estate decision makers on the corporate side getting more pressure to have that in, in, as part of their, their ex- exploration of you know, potential buildings or sites. I think you know, just like 10, 15 years ago when, when LEED first came out, right? it was like, well, how close is it to transportation? And you know, we had a set of criteria that were user-driven that really drove decision-making within real estate. I think we're going to see this next set of criteria be more around personal experience and in health and wellness and in environmental type aspects. I think energy should follow that, right? Now we do have the conundrum of, okay, we want more fresh air in the building. That takes more energy. How do we offset that? But that's really where I think the industry is going to start to focus is, is how do we, how do we provide the end user experience by managing and balancing that with the operational side of things? Does making your building smart actually make it more valuable? And in what ways do you think it most impacts building value? I mean, I think when we look at overall overall value, I mean, I think what what drives the you know, majority of it is is how your building performs, both from a you know a financial perspective, and that's lower energy costs, that's higher occupancy rates. Um, you know, I think there's there's a lot of levers that get pulled there. I think it really depends upon you know a, a, the market conditions. You know, what do you have in there? If you're competing against you know brand new buildings coming out of the ground in New York, it, it might be harder to, to to drive that. But if you if you have the ability to make investments that that you know fully lease your building while driving down operational costs. I mean, you really can't see how that would be detrimental in the, in the whole equation of things. Awesome. This was fantastic. Thank you. Really interesting stuff, Doug. And I appreciate you, you spending time with me to share your experience and views on, on smart buildings and how they can be used to tackle the sustainability challenges of our day. So um, thank you very much. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to If the Walls Could Talk using your usual podcast provider. And thanks for listening.